Walked into the mayor's house today. I went out to eat lunch with the ladies. That's a world-class operation out there. I mean, they're uppity. And it's beautiful. It's just, they, they just, it's a, it's a house of honor. And I walked into the table set so beautiful. And I just had a flashback to when I was 15 years old, living in a janky, nasty drug apartment in a janky part of Charlotte. A mattress laying on the floor, just dirty and filthy. And I just saw that in a moment. And I saw, I said, look what Jesus has done for me. And his great kindness, all of us. Even if you weren't in that kind of stuff, he's been good to us. We have reason to celebrate. I want you to take your Bibles tonight. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Tonight we talk about spirit gifts. And I need to help you find your spirit gift. One of the best things I can do for you is to help you identify your spirit gift. Or some people call them spiritual gifts. And get you in it. And get you doing it. All right, is anybody here born again? Yes. Okay, that's six, eight of us in a crowd. This big's not bad. If you're born again, you have a, a gift that the Holy Spirit has given you. It's a service gift. And I'm going to show you in the Bible that every believer receives a gift from the Holy Spirit. Not just the gift of the Spirit, but He puts an ability in you the moment you get saved. Everybody has at least one spirit gift. Many people have two, three, and four. And I want to talk to you about those tonight. And I want you to find yours and I want you to, to get into it and use it because it was given to you to use as you're going to see. We're talking about spirit gifts tonight. Now, let me say this before we read this. Our father's original plan for the church was not even close to what it is in America right now. This ain't even close to what he wanted. I mean, this is the best we can do with what we got. The way we do church today where some guy with a gift gets up here and talks. And we have music, people sing, then they go home. This ain't even close to what he wanted. His original plan was a body, a group of people where everybody was given a spirit gift and everybody in there operated in that gift. That's, we're so far into that today, but that's what it was. I want you to listen to how it describes the early church gatherings in 1 Corinthians 14. It says this, how is it that when you come together on the first day of the week, each of you brings a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, an interpretation, a word from heaven, Everybody came and ministered in the early churches. Everybody. Today in America, we have the minister and maybe a few other people doing things, but largely we have the laity. I don't know what laity means, but they tell me it's y'all. And then we have the clergy, which sounds like something you need a skin cream for. But that's not God's original plan. His original plan was when you come together, each of you brings a spirit gift and it operates. And somehow in the 2,000 years, we've gotten away from that. So I want us to look tonight at spirit gifts. I want you to find yours. I want you to operate in it. And, uh, and I'm going to show you why. Let's read a little bit. 1 Corinthians 12 is the premier passage on spirit gifts. Let's look at a few words in here he has about this. Now, let me make an announcement. It's so radical. There's such radical thinking to the American Christian. We live down in the far part of the country, southern part of the country, and we have, we have a beautiful home. God's blessed us. And uh, we have a log house. We always wanted that. And it's, it's just set up like my sweetheart wants it. I get a little say once in a while. But you can't just come into my house one day. And I don't care if, you're a if you have a decree in interior decorating. You can't come in my house and start rearranging the furniture. You say, well, I know better than you do. You might. You say, well, I've got a degree. I don't doubt that. But you can't come screwing. You can't come rearranging my house. You know why you can't rearrange my house? It's my house. I get to set it up like I want it. You know what the professional ministry has done in the years? They have rearranged God's house like they wanted it. It won't their house. The church belongs to Jesus. You know why? He purchased it with his blood. We need to go back to the book and say, how did you want the furniture set up in your house? And this is it. First Corinthians 12 is how he wants his house set up. First Corinthians 12. Let's look in... Uh, Let's look in about verse uh, one. Now concerning spirit or spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. What do you tell you right there? I want you to know about this stuff. Well, the church in America is largely ignorant about spirit gifts. Let's learn verse four. There are diversities of gifts, same spirit. Got it? The Holy Spirit will give you something he never gave me. Diff diversities means different. He'll give you something that he'll give everybody different stuff, but it's the same guy giving out the gifts. Verse five. There are differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord behind it. Verse six, there are diversities of activities within, but it's the same God working through everybody. Do you understand those three verses? 
this is one of the hardest things for even ministers to get that the Holy Spirit of God will give me something and want me to do something a certain way. So if, if everybody sees him in me, well, they'll try to imitate me. That's not what he wants. There are diversities, different gifts and activities he gives to every person, but it's him behind all of it. But our God is the most diverse person in the world. You ought to be able to go out in the woods and tell that. I mean, he just, he just does stuff different. All right, verse seven. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to a select few. No, each person to help everybody. I want you to look at that verse. What does it mean, the manifestation of the Spirit? The Holy Spirit's going to manifest himself through your life. Through this gift and this manifestation, this spiritual gift is given to every single person. And what are you supposed to do with it? What does profit mean? Build up, help. I thought the Spirit's given everyone. If you're a believer, he's given you a gift and it will actually, this is not talent, not talent. This is him working through you different ways, but the goal is to help people. The goal is always to profit the church or to profit people, help people. All right, the ministry of the Spirit is given to everybody. Each one has it. All right, and then it lists, let's go over to verse 12. As the body is one and has many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so is Christ. Now, you know, see, he's talking about a physical body here. All right, I got a physical body. You got one. I got a hand. I got, I got, a, I got eyes. I got ears. I got feet. I got a gallbladder, they tell me. I've never seen it, but it's in there. My liver's working good so far. In the grace of God, you know, your liver regenerates every six weeks. Good thing mine did when I was young. And we got all these different parts, but let me tell you something. This, my th- I'm not shotgunned. All these parts make up one body and have to work together. That's the picture he's painting. He said, it's like your physical body. You got all these different parts, but they all work together for one goal. Now, what did he say? So is Christ. Of course, you know who the head is. Tell me who the head is. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head of the body. And uh, many people, when the scripture talks about Jesus, has, he will crush Satan under his feet. Well, that's under you because you are the body of Christ. All right, so it says a church should be like a human body. All kind, they're very different, but it all serves one purpose. Comes together. Verse 17, now if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Do you understand that? If I was one great big nose, I'd be pretty good at smelling, but I couldn't see nothing. I couldn't go nowhere. Somebody'd have to haul this nose around. How dumb would it be to have one great big nose or eye or liver? How'd you like to be a liver? That's what we've done in our churches. I go in churches and people will embrace the personality and the gifts of the pastor and you got little pastors all over. No, no, he said the, if, if he doesn't want everybody alike. You can, when you, all right, how many of you know the liver can do some things? Thank God for the liver. How many of you know some things the liver can't do? This is why churches are so narrow in what they can do. They don't have the diversity of gifts working. And you usually have one or two predominant gifts in that church. You'll have one church that'll be very evangelistic. That's it. Another one will be prophetic. That's it. Some will be pathetic and that's it. But do you understand what he's saying here? He said, if, if everybody is alike, you are very limited in what you can do. And that's why he likes the diversity of it. All right, now watch verse 18. Now, God Almighty has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. All right, if you're born again, he wants you in a group of people, a local church. He places you in a local church as he pleases. And it's not location. It's not only location. Now, he's probably not going to have you in a church in Jacksonville, Florida, if you live in North Carolina. But he puts you here. But it's not just because of location. He puts you here because your gift is needed in that place. You know, he gave me, he gave me two ears and one mouth. Math ought to say something there. But you know, if I didn't have a mouth, there's some things I could do, but some things I'd be limited in. He puts, he actually, so I, I just picked this church because I like the music. He was behind it. God places the members in the body as he pleased. And he puts the gifts together as he pleases because he's got something in mind, got a great purpose in mind. And so this is what the Bible teaches. That's it. And he, see, we say church, we think, well, who's the preacher? Is it a, do they could do contemporary or do they do traditional? He looks at us and he goes, Gabriel, what are they talking about? This is how he sees the church. He sees the church as a body that he put together. Every member, very diverse, having different gifts for different purposes. 
And uh, this is his picture of the church. This is what it looks like to him. It's what he wants it to look like. But I want to point something out again. Everybody has a spirit gift. Some people, I don't have one. Yes, you do. You just don't know what it is. Read verse seven with me again. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each one. Everybody in the body has got one. Verse 11 says this, but one in the same spirit works all these things distributing to who? Each one individually as he wills. You don't get to ask for your spiritual gift. You got it the day you were saved. You don't get to choose it. I wanted to be an evangelist. Well, I am not an evangelist. I'm evangelistic. I want everybody to get saved, but I don't have the gift of evangelism. I, I don't get to pick my gifts. He chooses who gets what's gifts. But do you see clearly he gives to each one? Every single person's got If you're born again, you got it. And not only does Jesus live in you, but the gift is inside of you. And this is, the, this is, now this is how he sees the gifts. All right, let me talk to you about your gift for a minute. If you'll find your gift and then you'll begin to practice it and use it, because we're going to see in the Bible, he gave it to you to use. He wants you to use it. If you'll find your gift and begin to use it, let me tell you three or four things that are going to happen. Number one, it will work. You find your gift, it'll work. Because you've got to understand, this is not a talent that you use. That verse said, it is the manifestation of the Spirit working through you. And as you begin to use your gift, you'll sense, this is God doing something. Now, the American church, is, I'm not being unkind, is primarily built out of what people can do for God. But it was Jesus said this, on this rock, I will build my church. And the Spirit of God should be working in people's lives. And when you find your gift, begin to use it, you will recognize, that's God doing this to me. It, it may not be flashy, but you'll know that's him. That's him working right there. He's working through me. And, uh, but now listen, he, the spirit of God's not going to jerk you out of the chair and say, let's go. You always go first. You, the Bible said, first uh, Timothy, excuse me, second Timothy one, six, stir up the gift that is in you. I know one of my gifts is to teach. I don't have to get gooched. I don't have to have a warm glow come over me. I don't have to hear a voice. I have the gift. I have a Holy Spirit gift to teach, but I have to stand. I have to prepare, stand up and open my mouth and start. And then once I do that, you've got to be the one to start it. But remember Jesus told Simon, walk on water. Simon had to take the first step and then God took over and did the rest. Now it's a life of faith. You always take the first step. And with your spiritual gift, whatever it is, if you'll take a step and use it, all of a sudden he'll show up. He's not the doer. He's the helper. You're the doer. But he'll help you. And you'll realize he's in this. He's, he's helping me here right here. He's helping me do this. All right, number one, it'll work. Number two, it'll help people. You have a spirit gift that will help people. And our only goal in spirit gifts is not to impress people. It is to help people. And you'll sense God did that for them. And he did it through me. I want to show that to you. Look with me in the first Corinthians. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven says, I want to read it again. This manifestation or revealing of the spirit is given to each one. Why? To profit people or to help people. Let me show you another one in that regard. First Timothy, excuse me. First Corinthians 14, probably across the page, verse 12. First Corinthians 14, 12 says this. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, and we should be, maybe believe we should desire spiritual gifts. I right, read, read verse one of chapter 14. Pursue love, but desire spiritual gifts. In the American church, we think we can help people with education, with our smarts, with our techniques. Dear ones, only God can help people unless the Lord builds the house we're laboring in vain. And there's nothing like a spirit gift flowing through somebody to help people. And we should desire spirit gifts to help people. But I want to show you something in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. It said this, since you are desirous or zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the building up of the church that you seek to excel. What's the only reason you want a spiritual gift? To build people up. You want to help people. If you, you, we should desire spirit gifts. Uh, you know, you want to help kids or you want to help old people or you want to help your own children. There was, we, we're living in a day where human smart just ain't enough anymore. We're living in a day where experts are failing. God can do it. I mean, the Spirit of God can do it. You know what I love about these days right now? The arm of flesh will fail you. Only the Spirit of God can get it done today. But we want spirit gifts so we can help people and to build people up. Now, all through the Bible, the, the scripture, primarily chapter 14, the number one thing, you, if you seek anything, seek to build people up. 
Build up the body of Christ. You seek to excel. So spiritual gifts, number one, it'll work. Number two, it'll help people. Number three, you will flat out enjoy it. You will love your spiritual gift. You will delight in it. Let me give you, tell you several things the Bible says about your spiritual gift. Number one, it's easy. It, it's not hard because it's the power of God is in you doing it. Jesus said this, come to me if you're worn out and saggy. I think saggy might be the word. Maybe it's heavy laden. Saggy, same thing. Come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you. He said, take my yoke upon me and learn this from me. You'll find restoration and healing because my yoke is easy and my burden's light. Spiritual gift. When you're in your gift, you can work 12 hours a day and not feel and just not get tired. It'll light you up. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's just easy. It's not hard. I've never understood why people talk about Christianity being so hard. I don't know why preachers talk about the ministry being hard. Do I look tuckered out to you? You know what the Bible says is hard. The way of the sinner is hard. My yoke is easy. You know why people get so worn out working in churches or serving around a church? They're not in their spirit gift. They're doing it in their own energy. Well, of course, that'll wear you out. Uh, Number two, you'll enjoy it. Psalm 40, verse eight. I delight to do your will and your laws in my heart. You just enjoy it. I'm going to tell you a little more about that. Number three, I listen to this. You find your spirit gift, use it, and it'll feed you. You, you'll find your passion. When you find your spirit gift, you'll have found your passion. Let me show you one of the wildest verses, passages on that. Turn with me to John chapter four. John, John chapter four. Uh, this is where Jesus is traveling. This is also the woman at the Walmart. Jesus is traveling. All right, now watch this. Jesus is traveling. Is he, you remember Jesus walked everywhere. A, I heard a scholar say one time that Jesus walked several thousand miles in his three-year ministry. He probably did not. For instance, when he ministered to the woman at Sychar, he walked 60 miles, helped her walk 60 miles back. He walked all over the place and his boys walked with him. All right, he's walking. Of course, you get tired when you walk like that. And he's traveling uh, one day. And uh, verse five, John four, five. Jesus came to a city of Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. Was Jesus tired? Yeah, he'd been walking all day. He was wore out. He was weary. He was tired. He sat down by the well. It was the sixth hour, so that means it was 12 noon. All right, and uh, a woman came to him and he began talking. Now, verse eight, his disciples went to buy food. But you got it? They're traveling. They're tired. They, it's lunchtime. Jesus said, y'all, y'all run into town and get something down. I'm just going to sit here and rest. So he's tired. This woman comes up. You're familiar with the story. And she is the town huzzy you know, for lack of a better word. She doesn't slept with everybody in town. She's rough. All right. She's probably Methodist. She's real rough. And she comes out there. I'm sorry. My spiritual gift is to say stupid things. All right. So she comes out there and Jesus starts talking to her. Wait a minute. He's off duty. Remember lunchtime. I ain't got to help her. It's lunchtime. Jesus was never off duty, but he's tired. How many of you know you can help somebody when you're tired? He's doing it. He starts helping this woman. And this is one of those beautiful passages in the Bible. She's an ugly woman. And the way he deals with her is so wonderful. He doesn't say one thing about her sin. He simply approaches her from this angle. You're never going to find what your heart's looking for living like you're living. My spirit can give you what you're looking for. And that's how he approaches her. And he ministers to her. And uh, she, she gets excited. She accepts him as her savior. She turns to God. And all of a sudden the guys show up and they are stunned. What is going to happen when they find out that our minister is talking with the town hussy by himself? Number one, men, didn't, men and women didn't speak. Jews didn't speak to Samaritans and you sure didn't talk to them. This would be like you pull up to our church and I'm getting in the car with a local hooker and driving off. That's exactly what was going on here. All right, now remember, he's tired. And so they're, you know, they're embarrassed about this and they're trying to get him away from her and they're doing the best. You know, you just don't tell God what to do, but they're working with him. And, uh, and they all of a sudden, I want you to look what they said to him. Well, let's just read this. Verse 27, at that point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with this woman. Nobody said anything to him because you don't mess with God. And uh, she goes and starts telling about him. Verse 21, in the meantime, his disciples said to him, Rabbi, sit down and eat. I believe you need something to eat. Get away from her. Watch verse 32. He said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. 
What's he talking about now? All right, watch, you'll see how clueless we are. The disciples said, did somebody bring him something to eat? They're looking for a McDonald's bag somewhere. They thought he had physical food. Watch what he said right here. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. All right, he's tired. He's weary. He engages this woman, even though he's tired. She, the spirit of God. Being, listen, Jesus is the only person that had all the spiritual gifts in him at one time. All 20 some gifts he had. And he begins to engage her and talk to her. And all of a sudden, when he begins to talk to her, something starts happening even in him. And the spirit comes alive in him and she gets saved and he gets excited. They come back to dinner time. He said, I'm not hungry anymore. They said, did, did you eat before we got back? He said, Dan, nothing fills me up like doing what God wants me to do. His passion was in his spiritual gift. You'll do the same thing. When you, you find your spirit gift and you begin to operate in it, the same thing will happen to you. It'll light you up on the inside and you'll say, God, I'd pay to get to do this. Your spiritual gift, the spirit comes alive in you. And it was to say, it feeds you, which we would call that finding your passion or being excited, whatever you want to call it. And then let me give you one more. Well, you, you find your spirit gift, it won't be burdensome to you. People don't burn out in their spirit gifts. You can't burn out in your spirit gift. You only burn out in the flesh. Only flesh burns out. Then if we're burning out, it's because we're operating apart from the spirit of God. Do you remember, let me, there's a picture of this in the Bible. Do you remember in the Exodus when Moses was walking through the desert and there was a bush that was on fire? Y'all remember that? Do you remember how he stopped to look at the bush? He did not stop to look because the bush was on fire. He stopped to look because it was on fire, but it didn't burn up. It wasn't consumed. You know, bushes caught on fire back then in that part. We still do. He was amazed that the bush could burn and it wouldn't hurt it. It didn't because the bush wasn't the fuel. God was the fuel in the bush. Well, that's a picture of operating in the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of operating in your spirit gift. You can just work and work and work and you don't get weary because the power, as the Bible said, we have this treasure in earth and vessels, but the power is of God and not of us. You find your spirit gift and you can just keep on going because the spirit is the spirit of life gives it to you. That's why I want y'all to find your spirit gifts and get into them and get to doing them. All right, let's take a minute before we talk about finding yours in particular. I want us to look through the list of spirit gifts. And there's 20 some gifts, depends on how you count them. And I'm just going to go through them quickly. And you be sort of eyeballing yours in there if you see it. If you don't, we'll help you find it later. But I want you to find your gifts. Let's look through the list of gifts. We've got to go back to 1 Corinthians 12. There's three places in the Bible that and all the spiritual gifts are listed. I want us to look at them. 1 Corinthians 12 is the longest list. I'm just going to list them without a whole lot of to do. If you, if you think you find yours, go study it more. But here's the list of spirit gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And I'm going to say it again. If you're a believer, one of these is in you. Probably more than one. All right, let's look at them. 1 Corinthians 12, um, verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the profit of all. To one is given the word of wisdom. Now listen, wisdom comes from being old and smart, but this is a supernatural ability to know what to do. It's just Holy Ghost wisdom and understanding. All right, through another, the word of knowledge. That's different from wisdom. A word of knowledge is when you know something only God could have shown you about a person. And remember, remember, this is always to help people. And I, I've had, I don't have the word of knowledge, but I've had it a time or two. You, the gift spirit will just work like he wants to when you'll just tell somebody something. And it's usually to prove to them that God knows their situation. But a people, the word of knowledge can just know things. That's why it's called a word of knowledge. Uh, through the same spirit. Number nine, verse nine, to another faith by the same spirit. Now we all have faith. The Bible said God's given to every man a measure of faith and you can grow your faith, but there is a special gift called faith. And these are the people in the church. Nothing gets them down. When everybody else is discouraged, they'll stand up and say, God's going to get us through this. They just have a tremendous gift of faith to encourage other people. And it, it's, they don't have to work that hard at it. Remember, listen, the these are not spiritual degrees. They're spiritual gifts. He just hands them to you. The moment you get saved, you just got them. And you don't have to be a mature Christian to have them. They just work. But there's a gift called faith and certain people have got it where they can just, they just believe so easy. But it's a spiritual gift to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. Now, any believer can pray for somebody to get healed. We're told to do that. But certain people have special gifts of healings and from the ones I've known, of course, we're going through a, a sort of a drought of healing in the nation right now. But I've known people had the gifts of healings, but it would be in one area in particular. 
mean, they could pray for people with this problem and they just work so well and very seldom see somebody healed in this area over here. But there, there is a gift called healing today. A lot of people teach that the gifts passed away. Are we a pathetic bunch if we don't have spirit gifts? My goodness, of course they didn't pass away. <clears throat> Let's go a little further. Verse 10, the working of miracles. Now, sometimes you need help with something and usually it's physically, but it, it's not healing. It's a miracle. I've known people who had like broken bones healed by God. Well, that, but there are different miracles that people, it's just, it's just so obvious God did that. He's in this thing right here. Of course, that's still in operation, Dave. My goodness, we could use that one again uh, to another prophecy. Now, prophecy is the ability to speak a word from God to people. And now the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, you may all prophesy, but that's the word prophecy to build people up. But prophecy is when you bring a word from God. Uh, usually it's about the future. And prophecy has gotten a bad name in our nation lately, and it deserves it. Because we've gotten into the gloom and doom prophecy and junk and so much, too much pizza, not enough Jesus in there. Prophecy builds people up. And remember, remember, every gift is given to build people up. But this is where he'll say, this is, you know, it's a word of encouragement. And it'll tell you something that you can only know through him. Discerning of spirits. It's a spiritual gift that I have. And it's the ability to look at a situation and know this is the Holy Spirit. This is a demon spirit. Or this is no spirit. This is just human being right here. And it's just the easiest thing. You just look at it. I can listen to somebody preach and just know God's in that. God's not in it. Or I've listened to people preach before and knew it was a demon spirit preaching through them and Christians sit out there and cheer for them. I think y'all, y'all have got a nonprofit organization, what you got here. We really need to learn something here. But it's, and that's given to protect, of course, to help you understand that. Different kinds of tongues. And these are where you just speak out of your spirit. And for, of course, 1 Corinthians 12 speaks about that. Third, I mean, 14 also. And it's where you just bring the an utterance that comes out of your heart, comes through your mouth. Nobody can understand what you're saying. That's why you have to have the next gift, which is the interpretation of tongues. Now, when I was a member of the Church of God as a young man, we had a wonderful, spirit-filled, powerful Church of God when I first got saved. And tongues was a regular practice in that church, but it wasn't the... I, I'm sorry, there's just so much goofiness in the name of spiritual gifts today. It makes me want to puke. But when God's in it, you go, that's Jesus right there. And you know it. And a guy would stand up and just give a word of the Spirit, and you knew the Spirit was in it. And then somebody stand up, and it was they'd interpret it. Now, it's not a translation. It's an interpretation. And they'd interpret it and you just, and it was just the, it's just the most encouraging, refreshing word from heaven. And everybody in the room knew that was God right there. And uh, now you say, well, why don't we do it in our church? All right. If you go back to the book of Acts, they didn't practice in the big group, spiritual gifts like this. They broke bread daily from house to house. That church walked in small groups. You know, when it said in 1 Corinthians 14, how is it that when you come together, each of you brings a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, an interpretation? Well, we, you can't do that with two or 3,000 people, but you can do it in a small group. And this is why small groups practice spiritual gifts sometimes. But I want to get through this list and show you what these are. All right, uh, different kinds of interpretation. Now you need to jump down to verse 28. These move into ministry gifts. God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles, number one, uh, we're going to look at these a little bit later. Number two, uh, prophets. Number three, teachers. And then miracles, gifts of healings, as I've said. But no, I this one, helps. There's a gift called helps. More people have the gift of helps in a church than any other gift. You know what the gift of help is, helps is? It's when you want to help. Guess what these people love to do? They love to work in the kitchen. They love to usher. They just feed on being, it's actually the gift of serving people. And they just feed on being a behind the scenes server of people. Now you ask me to work in the kitchen, I'm going to close it. You ain't going to eat what I got. I promise you, that's just not my thing. You ask me to stay in the nursery, we'll, we'll sell the church. And the children need counseling. I just don't have, that's not my thing. I don't have that gift. But I know, I know people, they eat that stuff. They have the gift. I said, God-given gift. You say, well, they're just the motherly type. No, it's a spirit gift. It's a God-given gift called helps. And these usually support people, associate type people, but it's obviously from heaven. And it is a spiritual gift. Administration, that's different. That's a gift to lead people. Now, not to lead them in preaching or teaching or music. It would be a gift to manage the business side of life or church or whatever. 
and you'd be an executive pastor. It'd be the secretarial type, but they're just, they just, they know how to get everything organized. It's easy for them. It's a God-given gift to manage things. It should be called the gift of management, but it's a gift to do that. Let's go a little further here. And, uh, Varieties of tongues, we've mentioned that. And then he talks about the diversity. All right, let's look at the other list. It's in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Just turn back a few pages. And there's three places where these lists are at. As I said, 20 some of them total. And you'll be in here somewhere. I look at them in Romans chapter 12. Let's put it in verse 4. As we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. You understand that? You know, I've, I've got one body. I got hands, foot, eyeballs, adenoids, all that. They don't all do the same thing, but they help one body. He says church the same way. We have many members, but everybody doesn't have the same gift or function. Now function means your practical use there. Verse five. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members. Verse six, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. It is a grace gift. It's the kindness of God. He just gives it to you. But watch what he says. Watch these words. Verse six, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us. Let us do what? Use them. Got to use them. You got to find your gift. We can't use it till you know what it is, can you? I say, you come to church on Sunday, you enjoy the music, you listen to me or whoever's preaching, then you leave. You have not used your spiritual gift. That's good. The Bible said, let us join together, assemble together to be fed, to worship God, be encouraged. But he wants you to use that gift somewhere. And you don't have to use it inside this building. My spiritual gift works anywhere. And yours does too. But he wants you to use the gift he's given you. And then here's what he says. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Again, that is speaking a word from heaven to people and it needs to build them up. Now ministry again is the word, don't think of minister. It's the word helps or serving. Uh, and this would be, if, if you got that gift to serve people, use it and serve people with it. Of course, you'll delight in it. It goes on to mention this. He who teaches in teaching. Now teaching, most people that I hear teaching in churches are teaching out of their education, out of their study, but there is a spirit gift called teaching. And I have that gift. I can just teach people the Bible and they get it. They can just understand it. It's because the Spirit helps people understand. It's a spiritual gift. And he said, if you've got that, you need to use it. All right, look with me. Here's one. He who exhorts in exhortation. That's one that's not in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Exhortation uh, is the Greek word paraklesos, which is the, rooted in the word paraclete. Anybody remember the paraclete? I will send you another helper, the Holy Spirit. And the word is paraclete. Paraklesos is, para means to walk beside, klesos speak. We would call these people right here. They are God-given encouragers. They got the ability to walk up beside people and talk to them and lift their spirits and speak life and hope to them. These are the people that honk other people on. You just, you're just naturally encouraged and built up when you get around these people. Klesos is speak, para means to walk beside. And these are people that are, this may be the greatest need in our land today is for people to speak encouragement and life to other people. But it's not because they're these rah-rah cheerleading type people. Nothing wrong with them. When they speak, God speaks through them. And you just know everything's going to be fine. They can just lift your spirits up by speaking to you. They just, they just show up and the whole place lights up. That is the gift of exhortation. To exhort people means to honk them on. That's, that's the best definition, honk them on. You ever watch the geese fly? You ever notice the head goose is not honking? Watch them next time they go over He's flying He's because he cuts the wind for the rest of them. Only the geese in the, in the V honk. You know what they're saying? Come on, boy. Come on, honk. They're honking him on. Come on, come on. You can do it honking him on out there. And then, of course, they share leadership down the road there. But an exhorter, somebody can honk people on. They, just, they cause you to just get up out of the mud and go on. And boy, so needed today. He who gives. Now, everybody can give, but there is a gift of giving. You, you live to give and you delight it. Guess what usually comes with the gift of giving? The gift of making. If God's given you the gift of giving, you can make money. You could sell ice in Alaska. I mean, you just, you just got this, you got the Midas touch and you can get filthy rich doing it and then you love to give it all away. And that's the gift of giving. And very, most of us are hundred heirs. We don't have that, but there's some millionaires who've got that thing. 
But if you give, do it with liberality. He who leads, again, that's management, administration, the gift of leadership. I watch this one. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There's a gift called mercy. I was at Mary's house today. We have several ladies from our church that are involved with Mary's house. And these ladies go out there. They love those girls. They love to help. I've noticed every one of them got the same spiritual gift. It's the gift of mercy. We would also call mercy the gift of counseling. People that have the gift of mercy, they love to counsel people. I do not have that gift. But people, that they, they've got, their heart just breaks over people that are going through difficult times and they just want to help them. And they counsel people, they minister to them. And uh, you say, well, you're, you're just a big hearted person. It's a spiritual gift. Now, everybody should care about people and love people. There's some people, they just got it. Jesus exercised this gift in Mark chapter two. The Bible said a man came up to Jesus. He was leprous. And he fell down in front of Jesus and he said, I know you got the power to heal me. I just don't know if you want to or not. And the Bible said Jesus looked at him and his heart grew tender and he was filled with compassion. And he said, I do want to help you. Well, that was the gift of mercy. And mercy is when your heart is so broken over the suffering of people and God gives you an ability to help them. And you just flock to people that are hurting and needy and suffering. That's the gift of mercy. And not, there are big hearted people, but this is a spiritual gift. And uh, you, I know you can see, you spot people pretty easy who've got that. And of course you do it with cheerfulness. All right, there's one more real quick with a few. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter four. Now Ephesians chapter four is a gift of, list of spiritual gifts, but they're different. These are the, they're called the fivefold ministry gifts. These are for, if you're going to lead a church or lead a body, or if you're going to be a leader over many churches. And uh, the, the gifts we've looked at are for every person but these are for people that are set aside into some type of leadership and ministry. I want you to see these gifts in Ephesians 4. All right, verse 7. Ephesians 4, 7. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. What that say? Every person's got a gift that Jesus gave you. The Bible said this in verse 8. Therefore it says, when Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And he did what? He gave gifts to men. Jesus had all the gifts of the Spirit. When he went back to heaven, guess what he did with them? He showered them out over across his body. He gave gifts to every single person that he had. And he gave those gifts to men. And then uh, here are the gifts. Verse 11. Again, these are ministry gifts. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. What's the purpose of the gifts? Read the next verse. To equip the saints to do ministry, to build up the body of Christ. You notice anytime spiritual gifts are mentioned, it's also, it says build people up, help people. Now these five ministry gifts would be for standing in a pastoral office or what we call pastoral office. Of course, an apostle, that's somebody that oversees numerous churches and he would be the pastor over many pastored shepherds. Prophet, this is a, there are three, I don't know how to say this. There are three levels of prophecy in the New Testament. One's where every believer can just build each other up and edify. There's a gift of prophecy where you can speak, but these are true. They stand in a prophet's office and they bring words from God for the whole body of Christ. This would be Rick Joyner and Charlotte, people like that. David Wilkerson, who's passed away now. And there's just a few of them, but they have a gift to speak from God to encourage the whole body. Of course, uh, an evangelist, that'd be Billy Graham. People like they just, they eat, breathe and sleep winning people to Jesus. And they have, and they have a gift to do it. They have a tremendous gift to do it. The next word is the word pastor. And I find it strange that that says pastor. <clears throat> that word is the Greek word poemon. It's used 27 times in the New Testament. Only once is it translated pastor, which is right here. The other 26 times it's translated the word shepherd. And you know what a shepherd does? The Lord is my shepherd. These are people who have a God-given spirit gift to just look after people and care for people like a shepherd would care for sheep, which is what a pastor is. Now, I know guys who are pastors that don't have the gift of pastoring. They're actually evangelists is their spiritual gift and they want to get people saved. But if, you gotta, if, you, if you're hurting or something, you better call somebody else. They're going to go play golf. You say, well, shame on them. No, they're not pastors. We call everybody up here a pastor. That's not right. You have to have a God-given, and the Bible said this in Jeremiah 23, I will put shepherds over them who have the heart of my servant David who will care for the people. And these would be group leaders. You know, if you're a group leader and you just love leading that group, not just teaching them, but you want to look after them and you want to shepherd them. That's a God-given spirit. I ain't looking at them stinking people. Well, you don't have the gift. That's not you. My dear friend, Ken Helzer, who's greatly, we we lived beside each other. We'd 
spend a lot of time together. And he'd say, I'm going to tell you one thing. He said, you better never call me to pastor. Them people are going to do without if they call me. Now he's a tremendous man of God, loves God, but he just don't have it in his heart to look after a bunch of aggravating people. You say, well, why do you? It's a spare gift. You just have it. And, uh, and of course the third one, excuse me, the fifth one is the word teacher. And again, teacher, we know most of our teachers today have been trained. They went to school and they're teaching out of not, and they're doing a fine job, but there's a big difference in a teacher who's been trained and a teacher has the touch of God on his life. And he teaches from a spirit gift because the teacher that's been trained, you'll get it with your head. A teacher that speaks in the anointing, you'll get it with your heart. It'll go into your inner man. And of course, these five gifts. <clears throat> now, let me point something out here. I want you to see this. These five gifts are given to do what? Look at verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. I'm going to go ahead and say this here. This is why the American model is so pitiful. God's model is that these fivefold gifts would equip the people to do ministry. What's the American model? Call the preacher. Call the preacher. Let him go sit. They're sick. Call the preacher. Well, they need to find out about Jesus. Call the preacher. Send him over there. Well, so-and-so, I think their child's demon-possessed. Good God, get Brother Brian on the phone. <laughs> that is not the biblical model. The biblical model is that these ministry standings would equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Why the American church is so weak today? And why our preachers are so tuckered out? No, and then if this were a biblically modeled church, you'd find out that your neighbor's child was demon possessed. You'd say, bring him over here. I don't need to preach her. I can handle that. Or if you say, well, man, my, my, my boss, he's lost. Get the preacher to talk to him. I don't need the preacher. I'll talk to him. That the ministry, the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Could you imagine if we had several thousand equipped saints turned loose out there who said, I don't need the preacher. I can do it myself. That was his plan. That was the model. But somehow through the years, we fell into this Call the preacher. We pay the preacher to do that and uh, call the preacher. He can take care of it. And then ends up, it's this reason that we're so impotent. But we're going to see, see something good come out of this. All right. So those are spiritual gifts. You find yours. All right. Let me help you find yours. We got time. Let me help you find yours. If you want to find your spiritual gift, not ask, yes, five questions. And here are the five questions you ask to find your spiritual gifts. Number one, <clears throat> what do you enjoy doing and what do you not enjoy? Now, I love to teach the Bible. I could teach the Bible for hours. I've proven that to you. I could teach the Bible. But now you say to me, what do you not enjoy? If you ask me to counsel you, I'm going to get sick to keep from showing up. And so what kind of pastor are you? I'm a teacher. I, I saw the stupidest thing. Just show you how, I'm fixing to get ugly here. To show you how insane we are in the American church, a fellow showed me a seminary textbook where they train pastors and he opened the table of contents. He said, read that right there. It said the pastor as administrator, the pastor as evangelist, the pastor as teacher, the pastor as counselor. I said, only God could do all that. That was not his plan. Dear ones, find out what you enjoy doing in the ministry and that'll give you a point toward what your gift is. Find out what you hate doing. That ain't you. I, let me make an announcement. God is good. He ain't mad. He, he don't, they're going to do it whether they like it or not. I don't know where you got that God from, but that's not the God of the Bible. I delight to do your will and your law is in my heart. Your desire is in my heart. You find out what you like to do. I say, boy, there's one thing I love to do at church. I, I just love to do that. That's probably your spiritual gift. You find it back. Number one, what do you like? Question number two, what do you do well? And what do you not do well? I've had people want to lead and they wreck the train. Listen, if everything you touch turns to pudding, that ain't your spiritual gift. I've had people say, I'm called of God to sing, but everybody runs when I do. That ain't yours. What do you do well? There was, if it's your spiritual gift, it should be easy. You don't have to struggle in your spiritual gift. It's just, it just comes natural to you. It flows. and Because you, you have the gift. You ever heard that? People just got the gift for certain things. What do you do well in the body of Christ? What do you, do you count, do you just counsel easy? Do you, do you, do you help well? Do you, do you heal well? Whatever. You know, do you, do you just love to lead people and it's so easy for you to organize things? 
fight, whatever you do well, that's pointing towards your spiritual gift. Number three, what are you heart passionate about? I mean, if you could do anything you want to do, what would it be? What just lights you up? So man, when they make me stay in the nursery, I can do it, but I swear I feel like I've been fighting fire for 24 hours when it's over. <laughs> oh no, honey, we got nursery duty today. Yeah, boy, aren't the kids glad? Aren't the kids fortunate to have you in there? That's not your spiritual gift. Don't mean you can't stay once in a while. You find your, like we got people that do music here. We got people that do music here. They pay you to do it. It's not a burden to them. But they, it lights them up. Your spiritual gift will feed you. What are you passionate about? Buddy, I, do start, I, do, I have to do some things that I do because you got to do them and I just do them. And I want to have a good attitude about them. But I have certain things I do. I don't need to have a good attitude. I, I look forward to doing that. I jump out of bed and get excited about that. That's your spiritual gift. Your spiritual gift will ignite your heart. Let me tell you why. Hebrews 8.10 says this. I have written my desire, my law on their heart. He puts a desire in you before he calls you to do it. And your heart will love it. That's Philippians 2.13. He works in you to will and work for his good pleasure. And uh, find that. No, question number four. What is effective with people? What really, what do people tell you? You are so good at helping people with this. I mentioned the ladies who work at Living Free. They're good at what they do because that's their gift. And it helps people. And uh, if you, I have people, they want to teach the Bible and they're terrible at it. And they study and they can't get it. And they get up there and you can't figure out what in the world they're talking about. And class goes from 100 down to 12 real quick. That ain't your gift. It will help people. I mean, it really impacts people. And you need to sort of look at all the things you do and the things you try. What is the one thing in the last five years people have told you that made such a difference to me? That's probably a spiritual gift right there. You just probe around and find out what it is that you do. And let me tell you a fifth way you can find out. Ask mature believers what they see in you. Ask believers. Not, don't, don't ask somebody who got saved last night. But ask mature believers, what, what do you see in me that could be my spiritual gift? They'll help you find it. Because the Bible says, seek spiritual gift. Find out what it is. And I can get around people watching for a while. And I can just sort of tell what their gift is. You can sort of see it heading that direction. And uh, you, maybe you'll see one or two, three gifts. And you just, after a while, it just stands up. You just keep noticing this in people. They love to do it. They gravitate toward it. They're good at it. People start asking them to do it. That's your spiritual gift right there. All right, now listen to what the Bible says. Every, he shotguns the gifts. Jesus had them all. He ascended to heaven and he gave all his gifts to men. He gave one to everybody. Most people have more than one, I think, two or three. But you want to identify those gifts. Well, I was never taught spiritual gifts. I was taught, this is how we run a church. This is the way we go to church. We go to church. We go to church. <laughs> and it wasn't fun, but you did it because you want to serve God and be faithful. God, have mercy. One of these days, we're going to find out he's good and we're going to start believing it. And over the years, my spiritual gifts just began to... I remember I got so offended at a man when I've been preaching three years. And I came up through Southern Baptist, which evangelism is everything. We're going to preach the stars down. We call it shucking the corn. Man, I was just imitating what I'd been taught. And a man, he sat in a chair. He said to me, he said, well, you're really not a preacher. I felt like he'd slap me in the face with a buzzer. He said, you're really a teacher. I was nice about it. I said, thank you. And I thought, you saw it. You don't know nothing. He pinned my hide. But I tried to preach because I was imitating the point. I'm a teacher. I'm not a preacher. I'll stand up and try to preach something. I'll end up explaining how it works. That's a teacher. And I moved into, I finally found my gifts and moved into them and functioned in them. And you know what I've done? I've surrounded myself with people who got gifts I don't have. Because you know what? If you're a great big nose, you need some feet to carry you around so you can smell something somewhere else. But the body is lacking in spiritual gifts because we lack the prophetic, which is the eye, we can't see out there. Because we lack the ear, we can't hear what the Father's saying. Because we lack, you know what the nose is? Discernment. I said, this is something rotten here. We don't have that ability in the church because we don't recognize that gift anymore. And my spiritual gifts, I have the gift of teaching. It's just easy and natural to me. I have the gift of exhortation. I can encourage people and build them up without even trying. It's just, it comes, I'm walking to a restaurant and I'm just thinking, what can I say to her? What can I say to them? What can I say to that kid over? I just walk around looking for people to honk on it's just, it's just natural. It's just, I don't have to remember to do it. So remember to say something nice. I don't have to remember. It's natural. And I enjoy it. 
And then number three, I have a gift called discerning of spirits where I can tell by the smell all ain't well. And I can spot, I can discern the spirit over the nation, what's going on, but it's to help people and it's to rescue people. And these spiritual gifts would help people so much. I want you to find yours and I want you to get in it. I want you to use it and begin to enjoy it. And most of our spiritual gifts work outside of this building. They, they're needed in your home. They're needed to be around people and find your gift and get into it. But here, whatever you do, don't operate outside your gift. If you're outside your gift, you're outside his will. And uh, if somebody tried to make me an evangelist, I, I just, I've had people call and say, we want to have a campaign, get people saved. Won't you come be the preacher? I say, you need to call somebody else. Oh, I long for people to get saved. Call somebody who's got the gift. Let, let them do it. But if you're outside your gift, it's not going to work for you. you. And don't, that's why people are miserable in church. They hadn't found their groove. They hadn't found their niche yet. I got a preacher friend. Let me give you an example. He was a pastor for 30 years and hated it. But he's going to serve God and be faithful. Put your nose down. Go to glory. Go quicker. And uh, he retired from ministry. Took a job in a church as the pastoral visitor going to the hospital. Oh, make me do that with my own pistol. It's not my gift. So what kind of pastor are you? I'm exactly what he made me to be. And he said, I love this. He said, this is what God wanted me doing the whole time. And for 30 years, I did what the church wanted me doing. And I was miserable. I should have been doing this the whole time. Until you're in your gift, you won't like it. And outside your gift, it'll be a grind. You don't want to do that. But you just wear you out for it's all said and done. All right, again, the, the, now listen. <clears throat> the Father's plan is to have, if we ever get back to church, and I still think it can happen someday, we're going to get back to having five-fold gifts, usually platform gifts, that can equip the saints to do the work of ministry and turn them loose. And you know, you've got to sort of, I may even know what it means to help people get jump-started. You know what that means right there? Now, my daddy was not one of them. He wasn't going to pay for nothing. And mama wanted me to go to YMCA take swimming lessons. I'll teach him how to swim. He wasn't going to pay that $3. So he taught me how to swim. Threw me off the dock out there. I can swim like a fish now, but I had to. Of course, his answer for everything was, he'll be all right. He'll get out of there. Son. He'll get out of there. He'll be all right. Get your drink of water while you're in there. That's his answer for everything. You got to just shove people out. So I love to shove believers into stuff. Let me tell you one of the dumbest things you'll ever do to me. Ask me to go see somebody that's lost and witness to them with you. I'll go with you. I'll be glad to go. And how many times have I done this? I said, my, my uncle's lost. Would you go see him with me? I said, I'll be glad too. Glad? I love that kind of stuff. Let's pray. We'll go over and sit there. And, uh, and you know, see this big pregnancy in the room because they know what you come for. We didn't come for money. The big, like somebody say it. And I'll finally say, Bubba, John here is concerned about your salvation. When we come with him, he's going to tell you how to get saved. Go ahead, John. <laughs> what you going to do then? And you know what? They look at you like you just stuffed the entire bologna sandwich in their mouth. But you know what? Let me tell you what happens. Every time, every time they do it, they'll go uh, uh, scared, spitless, and they'll start out. And guess what happens? You take the first step. Holy Spirit will get in there, and you can't shut them up after a minute, and they'll have the best time. They just need to be kicked off the dock out there, put them in there. And uh, we waste too much time getting trained before we try things. If God is God and he's living in us, let's try it. What's the worst thing happened to you? Come back, start over. We, we are too secure in the American church. We need to try some things. Find your spiritual gift and jump out there. And I love people. So I'm, I'm going to bring my cousin to pray. Would you, would you pray with us? I'd be glad to. I said, okay, he's going to pray for you. And I'm going to sit here and listen. Go ahead and pray for him. Put, shove them out there and let them have a big time up there. That's why I love when I have people preach me, I don't tell them until about an hour before they get up here. They'll waste all their time planning and booger it up. I want them to get up here scared spitless and see what God does. It's just wonderful to do like that. But that was the, the original call for it. All righty. Everybody, do as you can handle it. Let me make an announcement. You got the living God living inside of you. Every spiritual gift is in you. Now, there have been times when spiritual gifts have come through me. The Holy Spirit wants to help people so much. And there's times he'll do things through you that really aren't your gift. I'll give you an example. When I'm sitting at a, a man asked me to eat one day. He was a friend of mine. I had a friend came with him. I knew he was coming. And he said, I just wanted to talk a little bit. And the man was uh, 40 some years old. He owned a machine shop and he was going to quit everything and go, in the, go to the foreign mission field. 
And he said, uh, I, I just believe God wants me to just give up everything and go into foreign missions. That always makes me a little nervous right there when people find something suddenly. So I'm just listening to him. And as I'm listening, all of a sudden I begin to see something there. Just in my spirit, just begin to hear something. And, and all of a sudden I realize the spirit of God is going to help him here. And I said to him, let me tell you something. I said, you don't need to go on the mission field. I said, the reason you're going on the mission field is because you've made so many bad mistakes and your kids are in such trouble and you think that if you'll be a missionary, God will help your children. And that's why you're going. He said, that's exactly right. How'd you know that? I said, you don't have to go on the mission field. He crucified his son to help your children. It's already been paid for. He don't, you don't need to pay him for anything he's going to do. You stay right here and run your machine shop and God will help your children. You just believe him to help them. And he was just so relieved to find out he didn't want to go over the pygmies anyway. But he struck a deal with God, some garbage got in him. And I bet you the pygmies was thrilled. Don't you know they'd love to have somebody like that over there? Come here, little suckers, I gotta be here. <laughs> well, that's called the word of knowledge, where God just shows you something about somebody, but it's to help them. And these gifts will operate through you. That's why we gotta to get to know the Holy Spirit. And you've never had more fun than when he just takes off through and you're starting going, I didn't know I knew that. Well, you didn't. Listen to this great verse. Don't worry about what you'll say. Why are we worry so much about what we're going to say? Get out there and open your mouth. Take, actually, it says, take no thought for what you will say. For in that moment, it will not be you who speaks. It'll be the spirit of your father who speaks through you. Now, wouldn't that be fun? Just get out there and start talking to people and maybe try to help somebody. There's been a many time where I've seen somebody in trouble. And, and of course, you know, I got, I'm supposed to have this great training. My training ain't worth a, it ain't as good. It ain't worth a screen door on a submarine. It was terrible training. But you'll just get talking and your heart will get tender and all of a sudden you'll start saying things you didn't know you knew. And they'll start crying and say, oh, thank you so much. You'll think, oh, thank me, I'm just sitting here. That's fun. Every one of you can do that. You say, brother, man, I ain't been saved but six months. Well, you've been in there for six months. Turn him loose. I need to tell you, remember what Jesus told him about Lazarus? Loose the man and let him go. Turn him loose in there. And just open up your mouth and take a risk and see what the Spirit does so you can all do this. All right, two questions, I'm done. What if a church got in spiritual gifts and began to practice them? Now, a lot of churches have gotten in this weirdoness and they want to they just, they want to show off their gifts. That is so obnoxious. That's just so, it doesn't serve any purpose. But what if a church really humbly just wanted to help people and everybody found their gifts and people just, I mean, what if somebody in church stood up and said, I have a need and about 20 people went, Whoom. Look like a rugby pile on. I just pile on. I'm going to help them in there. Instead of trying to find somebody to help, what if the whole crowd was looking for somebody to help? What if a church operated in spiritual gifts? Let me ask this question. What if you found yours? Find your spiritual gift. Go back through this list. There's many teachings. Charles Stanley does a great one on the internet. Other people do great teachings on spiritual gifts. Look through there and say, what is mine? I want to know what mine is. And then, listen, once you identify it, ask somebody to help you identify it. Once you get it, Jump on that thing. Jump out there, man. It's sort of like surfing. You, you might crash a time or two, but eventually you get to where you can ride the thing. And, and practice that spiritual gift. And use it. And you'll have, the, you'll have the time of your life using that spiritual gift. Plus the great joy is knowing that helped them people right there. That really helped those folks right there. All righty? Let's get to practicing. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you and praise you now as we close. Thank you so much. You... I don't know how in the world we got so far from what you meant for the body of Christ to be. It's become a, a concert type lecture hall thing. You meant for the body to be a group of people where everybody had a special touch from you. They have a gift from you and everybody functions in it. And just like a healthy body, every part of that body helps the body. Every member doing his part, your word says builds the body up. And I pray for every person in this room. I, I want to find the spiritual gifts. Lord, I, I, my joy is just knowing you and using that gift and using it in the hardware store or the restaurant or the anywhere. And I, I just look forward to using it. It's just so much fun and it just feeds me and it helps people. And I pray for every person in this room to find their gift and whatever that is, Father, and they're so different. But I trust you to put it in every heart here to say, what was my gift? I got to find out what it is and identify it clearly and say, yep, that's it. And then check with somebody. Lord, Jesus, check, pray to you and then check with somebody. Say, do you, do you think this is my gift? Can you see this working and find it? And then Lord Jesus, just walk around all day long looking for somebody to use it on. And mostly, most of your ministry was 99% of it was outside the church. As he went, he did this. 
I want us to get out of this American in the building mindset to where it's out there. And that we can do business with people and minister to them too. And we can meet people and minister to them in the spirit too. I want us to get Jesus outside these walls and get it out there in the city and get you to the people. I want us to drive you around like James and John did when they carried the gift of healing and picked the man up. I trust you for that. Thank you for every person that's here tonight. Encourage them, but put it in their hearts to find their gifts and then use it and say, look what he did right there. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be exalted. In his precious name we pray, amen.